0: time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom i'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart they've got passion for god they're leading intercession on their schools they're set apart consecrated under god they've got a vision and a mission for their life heavenly father we thank you so much for your presence tonight for your holy spirit in this place god we thank you that we can come together and just worship you uh, learn about you god we thank you for james god and we just continue to pray for james god we want total and complete healing lord god we we will settle for nothing less we want healing upon his body and upon his life we thank you so much for what he does for dsm and all the uh, all that he contributes so father just bless our time tonight in jesus name everybody said amen, amen. well i have uh a couple pictures up here of my I've, i have the privilege tonight of having my father-in-law here just kind of raise your hand, huh, huh? This is my father-in-law, Chuck. Now, I love, I love my dad. I love, uh, uh, because he loves Holly and I, you know. He, he loves us, and we have a great time together. But one of the, my favorite things I like about my father-in-law is he's a really good fisherman. I think we have a couple picks up there of what we catch when we go fishing. Yeah, that's right, man. That's sweet. Hey, don't laugh. That's a big crappie. Come on. That's a big crappie. (laughs) Big honking catfish crappie. We have a good time. There's another one. You know, crappie. crappie, These are football-sized crappie. I mean, they're like, they're big. There's Huddy. I know. I know. So it's good. So glad you're here. Thanks for being here. It's great. Um, Did I have any other pictures on there? Oh, no, we're saving the one, aren't we? I have a great yellow picture of David Perkins that I'm going to post. We're going to reveal it to you guys in two weeks because he's on vacation this week and next week. We're going to reveal it to you guys in two weeks. You don't have it tonight, do you? Yeah, two weeks, we'll reveal it. It's funny, you will laugh. All right, it's going to be great. Okay, so I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 19 through 31. I want to read you this story. It's going to kind of set us up for tonight It's gonna be a very interactive night You're all going to be getting out of your chairs here in a little bit, but we need to talk for the first 10 or 15 minutes here so Let me let me start with verse 19 luke chapter 16 verse 19 So jesus said there was a certain rich man Who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury now, let me stop right there for a minute. Back in this time, back when, when Jesus was walking the face of the earth, back in this time of, of the Jews and they're in the Roman Empire and all this, it, this was a time that the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the, of the Jewish people of that day, they considered wealth as proof to a person's righteousness. You believe that? That's crazy. But that's what they did. They considered wealth as a sign of a person's righteousness. So this story that we're about to read, Jesus stuns them all. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people. There are no doubt religious leaders amongst that crowd. And Jesus just stuns them as he, reads this, as, he, as he tells them this story. So Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table... The dogs, listen to this, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. I mean, if you're laying there in front of somebody's gate, and you are so sick that you're going to allow dogs to come lick your sores. I mean, my goodness, this guy, this guy's sick. I mean, he's really sick. I'm not going to let dogs lick anything on me. You know, he's sick. So just think about that. Finally, verse 22, finally, the poor man died. And was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance. And Lazarus, this poor man, Lazarus, this poor man, at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish great description of, 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 of hell, really. I am in anguish in these flames. Now, when this guy who has gone to the place of the dead in flames, basically scripture's not, he's in hell. He looks over, he sees Lazarus standing by Abraham. Now, Lazarus doesn't look like the sick guy at his gate anymore. Lazarus is completely healed. Man, new body, a smile on his face. I mean, living it up in heaven, living it up. I mean, heaven's going to be an incredible party. Living it up. All right, he sees him and he begins to ask, man, Abraham said, Lazarus, please dip his finger in water so he can touch it, so he can touch it to my tongue. Verse 25, but Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. Meaning that he wasn't dependent on anything. Man, he had money. When you have money, it, doesn't, it makes you arrogant, it makes you lazy. You're not dependent upon anything because you think money solves all your problems. So he says, your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. When you have nothing, it makes you desperate, doesn't it? It makes you desperate. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Do you understand that choosing God or failing to choose God has permanent ramifications when you read that scripture verse? This isn't a decision that we take lightly. There are, this is a permanent choice we make. There's a great chasm separating heaven and hell. There's no way out. There's no way out if you make that choice. Verse 27 Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Now you start seeing into this man's heart, this rich man's heart, and how he's living with many, many regrets. I mean, nothing mattered anymore. The money didn't matter. The fame didn't matter. The prestige didn't matter. All these matters right now is his family, who hasn't died yet. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read, can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. See, the life you live, it's totally up to you. You can choose. But I promise you, at the end of your life, there are two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. The, the first of, of those people, they're lying in their deathbeds, and they're living with all kinds of regrets. The other kind of, of people, at the end of their life, they're lying on their deathbeds, and they're full of joy because they don't have any regrets. They lived life for the king. They live life for the kingdom. They have everything to look forward to everything to look forward to. Man, they're happy to move into heaven. They're happy to move into God's kingdom. There's joy in their life. There's joy on their heart. There's no regrets, man. They lived their life for the king. The other side, laying there with sadness, laying there in anguish, laying there with resentment and bitterness, laying there with regrets. There's something about living your life for God to its fullest. When you live your life for God to its fullest, it's like, man, you are living a YOLO life. Y'all know what YOLO stands for, right? You only live once. You are living a YOLO life. What will define your life? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. What is going to define your YOLO life? What's going to define your time here on earth? You have one shot at this. You have one life to live, and the choices you make determine everything. So tonight I want to talk to you about three choices that you can make that will cause you to have a no regrets life. Three choices you can make. Number 1, the first step step to a life of adventure, a yellow life is simply choose God. Choose God. Man, if you fail to choose God, you're not only giving up the life of adventure. I mean, all you're going to do is just have a lot of practice at trying to dig yourself out of holes. It's not just about giving up the life God's called you to. It's not about just giving up the life that is going to wow you and be incredible. Man, all you're going to do is have a shovel in your hands. You're going to be digging yourself up out of a hole after a hole after a hole. I promise you, you will have a no regrets life when you, des- when you decide and choose God. But if you choose to lead your life on your own, I promise you, you will live with regrets. When I was a teenager, when I was your age, my life was about three people. Three people. Guess who? Me, myself, and I. Three people my life was about. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a pastor's house. My dad's been a pastor all of my life, all of my life. In fact, he just retired, and he's pastoring part-time a little country church, still pastoring. He's been a pastor all my life, grew up in a pastor's home, grew up in the church, knowing the church. But you know, I've seen the church at its best, and I've seen the church in its ugliness. And when I was a teenager, I didn't want anything to do with it. I saw what some of those so called Christians, those so called church people, did to my family. Lied about my family. Did some of those things. I didn't want anything to do with it. I, I, I was like, there's no way. I would have people coming up to me. I'd have adults coming up to me. Other people say, John, man, you're going to be a pastor when you grow up. I'm like, no way. I am not going to be a pastor. When I, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't even like the church. 19 years old. Went to work. Church that my father was pastoring at the time, was having a revival that week. I think it was a Tuesday. Went to work, came home about 10 o'clock. There's still parking. There's still still cars in the parking lot. I was like, what are cars still doing in the parking lot at 10 o'clock? That is ridiculous. I'm going to bed. But something drew me. Something drew me. I parked my car. The house was right by the church. I parked my car, I walked into the church. As soon as I walked through the threshold of the doors to that church, something hit me. There was a power, there was a there was a presence that I had not felt before that hit me. I couldn't explain it, I didn't know what it was. Walked into the sanctuary, sat down on the very back row. There was about 30 or 40 people up at the altar. People crying. People I knew what their life was like. Weeping before the Lord. People around them praying over them. I mean, it was, it was one of the most incredible sights I'd ever seen. About 10 minutes went by. I was like, i got to get a closer look. I moved up to about the sixth row and sat there and watched. And the conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit just fell upon my life. And it was in that moment It was in that moment I had to make a choice. I was either going to choose God or I was going to walk away and never come back. It was in that moment. I knew it. Those words ran through my head. I'm either choosing God now or I'm walking away forever. Because I knew the truth. I knew I was right. I just wanted to do my own thing. I was selfish. And I got up. I I hadn't even made the choice yet. I was like three chairs in. I got up. I walked over to the aisle. This way was the back door of the church. This way was the front. And I don't know what happened. All I did was turn this way. And I went to the front. I went to my dad. I just began to weep. And I grabbed his arm as I just fell on my knees. And I repented. And I confessed. And in a moment, my life was changed. In a moment, the weight, the heaviness, the sin. I knew I was different. I sensed it. I felt it. I mean, I felt like I could dunk a basketball. And I couldn't dunk back then. I still can't. But I felt like I could. I felt like I was on cloud nine, man. I felt so free. I felt so light, man. There was no burden. All my burdens were taken from me. Jesus Christ had set me free. From that point, I went to a Christian college to be a pastor (laughs) because that's what God called me to do. But the point was, I chose God. It changed the direction. It changed the trajectory. It changed the path that I was walking. I was walking a different path. I chose God. Number one, choose God. Number two, second choice. Second most important choice you can make. Make yourself available. If you're going to live a YOLO life, make yourself available. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, listen to this. In fact, if your Bibles are open, underline this. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Who are the workers? Who is God asking us as his followers to pray for? Who are the workers? Somebody say it us, thank you. We are, we are the workers. When we pray for people to go out into the harvest field, we're not praying for anybody else but ourselves. Let's go. The wheat, the heads of the wheat back in those days would be so white so white. And that's when they knew that the fields were, were ready for harvest. They were white. They saw it. So Jesus said, man, the fields are white in the harvest. Go get it. Think about that. Put that in people terms. In your high schools, when you walk down the high school, the hallway of your high school, do you see darkness, sin? Do you see just God-awful stuff? Or do you see fields white into harvest? What do you see? They feel the, do you see the worst of the worst? Do you see some of those students, some of, those, some of your peers, and you think to yourself, oh, man, they are, there is no way they would ever receive Christ. There is no way. They are so far gone. They've done so many things. They just denied God. They're atheists. They don't, they're Muslim. They don't, they don't, they're Hindu. They don't know anything about God. They don't want anything to know about God. I mean, they blaspheme God. They, 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 they do all kinds of bad, bad, bad. I'm not even going to worry about them. I'm just going to kind of go on my own merry Christian way. Do we think that? Or do we see people like that and go, oh, the fields are white in the harvest. If anybody needs Jesus, it's that person. In fact, you guys have names going through your head right now. If anybody needs salvation, it's that person. If anyone... If God can do anything, God is so big. If anyone needs Jesus, it's that person. I'm going to start praying for him. In fact, I'm going to start walking up to him. I'm going to say, hey, Jojo, whatever your name is, I'm praying for you. I don't care if you cuss at me. I don't care if you throw a punch at me. I'm going to pray for you because you're wide in the harvest. I don't mean you have gray hair. I mean, you're white in the harvest. I want to pray for you. Jesus has a plan for your life. He wants to redeem you. He wants you to receive his salvation. He died on a cross for you. I mean, I'm praying for you. Jesus has a purpose. Jesus has a plan. We don't think like that, do we? I wish we did. We're going to start. because the fields are wide into harvest and God has commanded us to pray for workers. The workers are us and we're gonna go out into that harvest field. We have to make ourselves available. You know, I went to, I might've told this story during our crash series. How many of you remember our crash series? Good. I was in uh, El Salvador, gone on a mission trip. My senior pastor at that time, this just, uh, I think this was two years ago, senior pastor at that time and said, Hey, John, I want you to come down with me to El Salvador. We're going to do some leadership training with area pastors, different things, and I'd love your help. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, a pastor needs me. He needs me to help me teach leadership. He needs me to do this and that. He didn't need me. He, he admitted at the end of this week, he's like, John, Lord told me to bring you down here because he's going to wreck you. I was like, well, he wrecked me. I was in tears when he told me that. Wrecked me for the people of that country. We were down there. We were at a Compassion Project. We were at Zion Church. Just an incredible, incredible church. Church of about 150 people who were passionate, who loved Jesus. There was no doubt in my mind. You know, we were there with compassion. We were walking around. There was probably 15 or 20 of us. And we were kind of going through what Compassion Kids go through that day. We were learning about it, all this stuff. I saw this, you know, younger girl. She, I knew she was probably in college. Walk by. And the Lord said, very clearly, this is this is what I'm talking about, about, making yourself available. He said very clearly, He said, John, I want you to put her through college. I was like, What? You want me to put her through college? Man, I I, I got to be saving money for my own kids' college. I mean, it, I mean, all these things started running through my mind. Is college in El Salvador the same as college in the United States? I'm like, Are you kidding me? Jesus, do you remember? You called me to be a youth pastor. Do you know that youth pastors don't make that much money? I want you to put that person through college. I was like, holy, like I said, crap. Holy crap. Then uh, I said, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to be obedient, man. I cannot, not, not, I cannot not be obedient. So I, I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I talked to one of our interpreters. I said, hey. Who's that girl? She was one of the compassion teachers. And uh, uh, he told me that her mom also was work there and was one of the compassion teachers. I said, can I just sit down with them and talk with them? You know, and, and he said, yeah. So we got some chairs. Uh, he called them over. We came on and sat down. You know, they didn't speak English. I didn't speak Spanish. And, and so we just started conversing. I started hearing about some of her story. Come to find out her story is that she made it through the first two years of college, but she was going to have to drop out because her family ran out of money. I was like, oh no, story's lining up. It's usually what God does. I said, okay. I said, before I asked how much, I didn't want to know, I wanted to be obedient. My first response was obedience. I said, tell her the Lord told me to put her through college. He told her and her and her mom began to weep, began to cry. After they kind of caught their breath and kind of, came back to, you know, the conversation, I began to ask other questions. Uh, How much does it cost to put someone through college? What is college down here? So uh, come to find out that for the next, to to put her through the next two years of college, it was going to cost about $2,400 for two years of college down there. I said, oh, I can swing that. I can do that. We'll we'll do what we have to do, but we can do that. Got back to the States. Had her open up a checking account. She Facebooked me, gave me the routing numbers and all that, and I transferred. I I told my story to the church, and we had a couple other people just come up and give me money to help. I think I transferred her $2,600. Put her through the next two years of college. One of the greatest experiences of my life one of the best experiences of being obedient, of saying, God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. You make yourself available. When you make yourself available, you will create memories that you will never forget. You will create memories that will shape you to be be and to look more like Jesus. When you make yourself available, choose God, make yourself available. Number three, Third one, third choice you gotta make is trust God and take a risk. Trust God and take a risk. Choose God, make yourself available and then trust him and take a risk. When you make yourself available, you better believe God is going to open the door for you to step out into another realm of life where you have to trust him to show up. He's not gonna just bring you along on this little comfortable Christian journey. There's no such thing. And if you're walking it, you're walking on the wrong journey. There's no such thing as comfortable Christianity. And if you're comfortable, I would question your Christianity. There's no such thing. You can play it safe. You can live a predictable Sunday morning church-going life where there's no impact, no influence, no life change taking place around you. Or you can choose God. You can make yourself available, and you can jump in to the unknown. Churches all over our nation are full of Sunday morning Christians. They're full of them. They're full of people who think about God once a week. Sunday morning. Once a week. They are way more consumed with their work, with eating out at restaurants, What they're doing on the weekends, who they're hanging out with, when the big game's starting. You see, the eternal things, the the impact of heaven, the idea of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth through them has escaped them. They got consumed in the American lifestyle. They got consumed in our American uh, uh, consumeristic culture. Because the American culture really is all about me. Me, myself, and I. Isn't it? But in reality, living the Christian life is way less about you and way more about God. These two, this, this American consumeristic culture and the Christian life, they are in conflict. There is a rub there. You have to be so proactive. You have to be purposeful with your life and your time or I promise you'll be sucked into this culture's mindset. It's all about me, it's all about my life. But see, when you choose to be intentional, with your time, purposeful and knowing the heart of God, you can't help but begin to recognize God's movement. And the doors God is opening for you to make a powerful impact. All we have to do is pay attention. All we have to do is keep focused on God and we will see doors fly wide open for us to make eternal impact. The choice is yours. Will you lead your life in pursuit of the dreams God has placed in your heart? Or will you live? Or will you be a life lived and defined by insignificance? What do you want to be on that deathbed? Defined by God or insignificant? Impact a generation or impact nobody? The choice is yours. Jesus summarized it in Luke chapter 9 verse 24 for whoever wants to save his life will lose it whoever loses his life for me will save it listen Jesus is giving you an invitation he's inviting you on a divine adventure he's calling you to be a spiritual pioneers explorers and even warriors in order to respond we have to refuse the security of being a settler we have to be pioneers John chapter 10, 10. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Listen, 96% of the 33 million young people in this nation don't have a relationship with Christ. 96%. They are going to end up like the rich man in the scripture passage we read about, longing for another chance, longing for someone to go and tell their family, about the truth. Jesus commanded in Mark chapter 16, it's one of my favorite expressions of the Great Commission in in Mark to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Listen to these miraculous signs. Miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Just what we did tonight. I loved what we did tonight. I love what Stefan did. I love that Stephen called him down. And we prayed him. And we pray for healing. We, we commanded that cancer to go. We have the spiritual authority to do that. If you will just exercise it, if you will just have an ounce of faith and believe it, you have the authority. And you will see miracles. I promise you. Choose God. Make yourself available. Take a risk. I had students in. A couple of years ago, we were going through the airport. There's a lady in a wheelchair. My students went over and began to pray for her. Began to command whatever was going on. Asked her a few questions. Just began to lay hands on her and pray for her. I loved it. I was like, insecurity, stuck in security. But I'm just watching it over there. Just watching what they're doing. I'm like, yes. You know what? It's not your responsibility to heal. It's your responsibility to pray for healing. It's your responsibility to command the healing. God does the healing. So if nothing happens, it's no big deal. You were just being obedient. Be joyful that you were obedient. But pray, because I tell you, I don't know why God heals some people and doesn't heal other people. I've seen all kinds of healings. But I tell you what, because I see whatever the ratio is, one out of 10, one out of 12, one out of five, man, it just, it spurns me on. It makes me want to pray more. Because when you see a miracle, oh my goodness. When you pray for someone and that person's healed right there, oh my goodness. That's awesome. I've seen, one of, my, one of the greatest ones I've seen is, is cervical cancer. Had a lady in my old church come into pastor's office. We came around her, four or five of us. We just prayed for complete healing in her life. And I sensed the power in that room. When we got done, I leaned over to pastor and just whispered in his ear, said, I think God healed her. In fact, I know God healed her. There was a presence. There was a sweetness in this room. She was scheduled to go in for surgery the next day. She went in for surgery the next day. Doctors couldn't find a thing. Completely healed. Go after it. Take a risk. Take a risk. When you capture a moment that has been placed before you by God, you become the agent that brings heaven to earth. When you capture that moment When you walk through that open door He's put in front of you Here's the problem The problem is we don't see the open doors We don't recognize them But if we would just pay attention If we would just be focused on God and his heart and his kingdom And not on the American culture But on God's culture Can we be a people of God's culture? If we would just be a people of God's culture We would walk through doors And see miracles every day Every day you will have a huge impact. If you will choose God, make yourself available and trust him and take a risk. I promise you. Tonight, I wanna to illustrate these three choices in a simple exercise that is going to involve all of us. Okay, it's gonna be awesome. So here's what I wanna do. All of you have a little piece of paper, that little white one. And if you turn it over, you have a little colored dot on the back, okay? If you don't have one, grab one, grab one from an empty seat. You got a little colored dot on the back. On the front, you have, you have the scriptures that can lead someone to Christ. You have the scriptures that can lead someone to Christ. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start with one person. And they have to go. They cannot witness to a group of people. Like you can't get 10 people around them and hear them and then all be saved. They can only witness to one person at a time. You have to walk them through the scriptures. You should do it quickly. Walk them through the scriptures and say, do you want to receive Christ? I don't care if they're already Christian. Just play along with me, okay? You want to receive Christ? They're going to say yes. You're going to pray with them. And then you're going to quickly move on to the next person. All right. And then that person, once they receive Christ, they're going to get up and they're going to begin to witness. All right. Go with me. No, You can't move until you're witness to or I do something else, which I will do in a minute. All right. So let me see here. Raymond. Come on up here, brother. All right. Here's Raymond. Braden, you can come up too, bud. Come on up here. Braden. come on up here. All right. So Braden and Raymond, through an amazing circumstances, have found Christ, received Christ. Holy Spirit has filled them, and they are just on fire for Jesus, and they're radical. Now, I want you guys to go out, and I want you to begin to witness. Because all of these people right here, they don't know Christ. Picture this as your generation. Picture this as your daily walk in life. And you're going to encounter all these different kinds of people. They don't know Christ. You need to go right now. Go. It's urgent. Times are urgent. 96% of this generation does not know God. You going to turn on a little music? Not real loud. That's good right there. 96%. 96%. All right, freeze. Freeze. If you have a red dot on the back of your card, let me tell you about something. 7,397 students are bullied each day here in America and results in 4,400 suicides a year. And 44, are 440,000 attempts in your generation. 440,000 attempts, 4,400 suicides from bullying. If you have a red dot, you were bullied and you committed suicide. So now you're dead. What I want you to do, is, listen, I want you to quietly, I want you to quietly and reverently get up and go to that back corner. No one reached you with the gospel. Quietly get up and go back in that, red, in that back corner. Not a lot of chatter. Be quiet, be quiet. All right, hit the music. Those that are still witnessing, go. Yeah, press back in that back corner. Press back in that back corner. Huddle back there tight. Now, if you die and you've been witness to or you're trying to present the gospel and your color is called, you come up here on stage. The stage represents heaven because you've received Christ. All right, cut the music. If you have a blue dot on the back of your card, 44 people a day die in accidents involving a drunk driver. You were just killed in a drunk driving accident. You with a blue dot. If you have not been witnessed to, head on back to the back corner. All right, hit the music. Those of you that are witnessing, if you witnessed... If they call your color and you're witnessing, come up here to stage. If they call your color and you're witnessing to someone, come on up here to the stage. You better hurry. You better hurry. Witness, witness, witness. Times are urgent. This is serious. We got to be focused on kingdom things. You guys in the back, I just want you quiet and watching. If I could have a couple DLA students head to the back corner, I want you quiet and watching. Quiet and watching. All right, stop the music. If you have an orange dot on the back of your card, 273 people will die due to drug and alcohol abuse today in the U.S. Many of them are young people. You went to a party, you took pills, you mixed it with alcohol, and you died. You never planned on dying that day, but you did. If you have an orange sticker, head to the back of the room quietly. If you were witness to or you're witnessing and you're orange, come to heaven. All right, who's left witnessing? Raise your hands. All right, go after it. Go after it. Lead people to Christ. Lead people to Christ. You better hurry. Stop the music. I know you're celebrating, but let's be quiet just for this moment. If you have a yellow sticker on the back of your card, almost eight young people a day die from being shot by a gun somewhere in the U.S. Whether it was random, whether it was something that was whatever, you were shot and you died. Those of you that have a yellow sticker... Head to the back if you haven't been witnessed to. All right, start the music. Still people sin. Still people sin. Okay, stop. What's the last one? A green sticker? Green sticker. If you did not get witnessed to, if no one shared the gospel with you, you did not receive Christ. Every day, 44 young people are diagnosed with cancer of which one out of eight will die every day. So here we have it. Let me have this real quick. Here we have it. So all of you that didn't get witnessed to, you guys can all go to the back corner. Who witnessed it? What are you guys doing? Did someone witness to you? Go to the back corner, please. Back here. You're praying? Huh? Okay. So here we go. There is, there's a lot more people that didn't make it than people that made it. I want you guys just to think about this. This is a, this can be a pretty holy, reverent moment. I want you to think about this. The choices you make today will determine your eternity. And just like that chasm in the story that we read, you're going to be able to see people in heaven celebrating, dancing, loving life. You're going to be able to see that, but you're going to be in agony. You're going to be judged by God because you didn't receive Christ. And there's there's no... Turning back. I'm not here to scare you. I don't want to scare you. I'm just giving you the facts. There's no way, once you die and you didn't make a decision for Christ, there is no way to change anything. The judgment is done and sure. Those of you in heaven, don't celebrate yet. Look at the masses you missed. Look at the people. If you just would have been living your life for the kingdom. If you would have been living your life for Jesus. If you would have been focused. If you would have chose God. If you would have made yourself available. If you would have took a risk. People that you know. Your friends. People you passed every day in the hallways. Your family members. Could have made it. They could have made it. This is a big deal. The fields are white under harvest. As fast as you guys were going to witness, we still missed a lot. The problem is in real life, you guys don't go that fast. In real life, it takes time. In real life, we probably miss opportunity after opportunity, day after day. Let that sink in. How many opportunities did you miss today because you weren't focused on God? It's okay to focus on your schoolwork. It's okay to do well in school, yes. It's okay to focus when you're, you know, you got football practice or, or basketball practice. It's okay to focus on that stuff. But in the back of our minds, no, not in the back, in the forefront of our minds, we always have to be making ourselves available and asking ourselves, God, are you opening a door for me? Is this an open door for me to walk through? Are you giving me an opportunity to share Christ so that one more can make it to heaven? Your generation is dying. A lot of people don't have a lot of hope for your generation, but I do. Because I've seen students with warrior hearts I have seen students with passion and with fire. I have seen students so committed, so committed to reaching the lost, to praying for revival, to seeking the kingdom of heaven come to earth. I've seen students do miraculous things, do God-sized dreams and fulfill God-sized dreams in high school. Not just when they grow up, not when they get old, not putting 40 years to it. I've seen God fulfill through students, his plans and his purposes in the here and now. I don't want to waste their time. We can't afford to waste time. I know this is just symbolic, but don't you guys wish you were up there? Don't you guys wish someone would have told you about Jesus. Because forever is a pretty long time. And don't you guys wish you would have went after him a little harder, been a little more focused, had God's plans and God's dreams and God's desires in your heart a little more often. Every day you're walking by opportunities. Opportunities. Every day you're walking by people who need Jesus. So I have two people I want to call to the front tonight. And we're going to pray and we're going to be done. Two people. Maybe in this little exercise, is Corey in the band here? Can you tell him to come in and play? Get in here and play. No, I'm just kidding. So, I have two people I want to call tonight. You might be here tonight and you might have been invited by a friend. You might have just been coming to church. Maybe you haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe things have happened in your life that have pushed you away from the church, just like they did me when I was 19. But I'm going to tell you something you can't judge Christianity by Christians. You judge Christianity by God, by Jesus. And Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He died on a cross for you. And I know sometimes so-called Christians have actions that hurt. And they do actions that cut like a knife. We don't base our faith on other people. We base our faith on the Savior of the world. We base our faith on the one who died on the cross. We base our faith in the one who has the power to redeem and restore and to bring salvation. So maybe some of you in here tonight would just say, Pastor John, I need salvation. I need Jesus. I don't want my life to be wasted. And you have a decision right now, just like I did that night at 10 o'clock in the parking lot when I walked through the threshold of that church door. God was presenting me with an opportunity he was presenting me with a choice to so John man you can choose me and i will be everything that you will ever need i will walk with you through the worst of times we will jump for joy and celebrate on mountaintops we will walk through valleys together but i will be with you i will be your strength i will be the stronghold of your life i will i will be the strong tower that you can run in and take refuge i will be everything to you And if that's you tonight, I want you to be bold. I want you to be bold. And I want you to come right down here to the front. If you want to receive Jesus tonight, I want you to come. Just come down to the front. You're not going to be alone for very long. Anybody? Anybody want to receive Christ? Push your way forward if you have to. Amen. Anybody else? Your choice. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? This is your choice. Choose now. This is your choice. Mr. Colombo? It's your choice. God's presenting you with a choice right now. Amen. Anybody else? I made it, changed my life forever Changed everything for me Let's pray right now And ask Jesus for forgiveness Come into our lives I want you to just to repeat this after me Dear Jesus I ask for your forgiveness right now I know I've walked my own way But now I turn to you God forgive me of my sins Fill me with your Holy Spirit God, I commit to live for you and you alone. Teach me your ways. Teach me your precepts. Show me the steps in the path you want me to take. In Jesus' name, Amen. Man, God bless you guys. God bless you guys. I want you guys just to follow my wife. She's got a gift for you. A packet and stuff. follow her right there. Go ahead. Yep. Just follow her right there. God bless you. That's some real stuff right there. That's authentic. Second challenge. This is for those of you that call yourself Christian. Those of you that say, yeah, I've asked God to come into my heart. He has changed my life, but maybe Maybe we've lost track. Maybe we've lost the very purpose and reason God has called us to intimacy. That God has called us into relationship. Because when you begin to get intimate with God and you have that intimacy and you're spending time with Him and you're in prayer with Him and you're studying scripture and you're learning His language. As you begin to do that, all of a sudden you begin to capture, you capture the heart of God. You capture what he's all about. And do you know what God is all about? God is all about his most prized creation. He's about the the people he's created. the, the, The thing he loves the most out of anything he's created. He is all about people. So when you begin to capture the heart of God, it is really hard not to be evangelistic. I mean... If you're focused even a little bit on God He's going to open the doors for you to preach the name of Jesus He's going to open the doors for you to witness He's going to open the doors for you To to lay hands on people And and have a testimony before them Of the power of God And what the power of God can do So I challenge you Those of you that have chosen God Those of you that have made yourselves available I challenge you Take a chance Take a risk And if you're willing to do that for me If you're willing to begin to change Some of some of your focus If you're, if you're willing to begin to change What you're intentional with in life I just want to have A Holy Spirit Truth encounter With God tonight Right here up front If that's you I want you to come forward and stand right here on the floor If it's you on the stage come on down and stand right here on the floor If you're ready to be intentional with your life. If you're ready to make a difference. Come forward. you to agree in prayer with me. That doesn't mean you stand there silent. That means you speak. You agree. Jesus, we are not of this world. You have redeemed us. Your blood has covered us. We are of another kingdom, Lord Jesus. We are of your kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. God, may we not walk on this earth with an earthly mindset. May we we not buy into the American lie. The dreams America says we should go after. God, I pray that we would give our lives away. That God, we would not hold on to them. That God is your children. Your word says we have died to ourselves, and it is Christ who lives in us. God, take over our lives, take over our heart, take over our focus. God, bring revival through us, Lord Jesus, to this nation. Bring revival to this generation, oh God. God, I pray right now in every one of our DSM students that you begin to stoke the fire that is burning. God, some of us are down to just smoking ashes. God, start that fire again. Stoke it, God. Breathe your life onto it. God, I pray tonight that we would walk out of those doors different than what we walked in. That God, your power and the presence of your Holy Spirit would fill this vessel, would fill this house that is yours. That God, your Holy Spirit would begin to overflow in us. Because, God, when you fill us up, we spill out onto others. God, make us aware of opportunities. Make us aware of the doors that you're opening. God, give us the boldness and the courage. Give us the courageousness of Joshua, Lord Jesus, to walk in through those doors. Just as he has the boldness and the courage to take the land you have promised him. God, I pray for the boldness and courage to take the springs for your name. To take this city to take Pine Creek and Rampart, to take TCA, to take Discovery Canyon, to take every high school campus represented in here, every piece of land, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that we would be the workers that you send out into the field, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, we'd be witness to miracles. We'd be witness to the movement of the kingdom of God right before us. God, I pray as we speak and as we command and as the words come through our mouth, we would see it come to fruition. We would see what we are speaking manifest right before us. Anoint us with your purposes, O God. Anoint us with your plans. May we give up our good dreams so that we can attain your great dreams.